You know, I first encountered Brian Tome in uh, reading the book, The Five Marks of a Man. I'm not even sure how it got into my hands, but when I began to read it, I thought, man, this guy I want to meet. Then I went online and found out that he had a thing called Man Camp, and I thought, dude, I really want to meet him. I called his church. He pastors Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I said, I'd like to talk to the pastor. He got on the phone with me. We had a great conversation. And from that, I followed him on social media and then uh, finally able to get him in a conversation on the podcast. So I'm thrilled today to uh, introduce you to Brian Tome and uh, his uh, material, his resources, and his inspirational life. He's uh, he, he says, Chris, and with me again uh, today on Brave Men is Chris Shields. And he says, you know, I'm ready to lead you into the, the adventure of life. Yeah. And it's kind of his thing, you know, if you follow him on social media, which you and I do. Yes. And his Instagram, mm-hmm. which actually ticks me off. <laughs> right? Why? Because it's always pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting on my back porch, you know, yes. you know, and he's out trying to kill a kill moose something. or yep. something or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's pulling apart a, you know, a motorcycle and, and showing you how to do the rims and yes. stuff. And I'm like, yeah. You know, anyway, so, uh, and then uh, the eggnog thing, that was interesting. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, could, I couldn't post the eggnog thing, <laughs> no. but he can. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great guy. Great conversation. Uh, but The Five Marks of a Man, that book, when I read that, truly, and I do not remember how it came into my hands. Uh, I don't know if I just ordered it. I think I did. I think I saw it. I ordered it, began to read it, and I thought, man, this guy's nailed something. Yeah. I want to meet him. Yeah. And uh, really like the guy. Yeah. You know, but again, like I said, his IG ticks me off yeah but i mean but. his ig just represents his devotional move well there you the go man devotional listen yeah. to this 66 prompts to kick your rear into gear yeah and then think about his instagram yeah there you go that's what he does <laughs> yeah that's what he does yeah. it's about moving you off of uh if you will for a lot of us the little religious stuckness that we're in yes right? or your couch or your couch. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, think about it. It's like Dude. the one thing that I really admire about him is he is representing the action of ministry. Mm. You know what I'm saying? A yeah. lot of people have the, how can I say it? Like the scholastics of ministry. Yeah. But very few people have the action to ministry. Yeah, that's the, good. The walking in ministry. The okay, there you fun go. of ministry. A lot of people the, can talk it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then there's those guys that actually walk it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see it and it's like, yeah, man, I want to be a part of that yeah. church. It's and, fun. Yeah, yeah. In other words, his IG is actually who he is rather than uh, best of. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's not a, <laughs> oh, at the end of the year, like this is the best photos that I had this year. Yeah. No, it's constant action. Yeah. It, it's not all posed. Yeah. Oh, man. John Eldridge talks about that in some of his stuff, right? Yes. The posers. Yes. Yeah, and, and so this conversation with Brian, uh, I really enjoyed that. I, in fact, I'd like to have another one. Yeah. Because uh, if we can, uh, if, if he's got time, uh, because there was some stuff that I felt like, man, I'd love to ask about that. Yeah. But then again, that's why you get his books. Yes. Right? What's his website? It's Brian Tom. Yeah. BrianTom.com. What is it? BrianTom.com. T-O-M-E. Yeah, great guy. Hey, uh, and speaking of that, if you could, at the mid-break, tell everybody where to get on our social media and that sort of stuff. Brave Men is a production of the Christian Men's Network, a um, ministry to men, a ministry that helps churches disciple men. We have the website majoringinmen.com. 
uh, which hundreds, uh, now over thousands of uh, churches have actually used to help launch ministry to men in the local church. We do that in 134 nations right now, 19 languages, and getting ready to launch into the Dangerous Nations Initiative, which I'm really fired up about. So, uh, you know, that's why I love Brian. He's a church guy. Yes. You know, and that's who we are. We're yes, church guys. we are. But we're part of the fun church. We're part of the fun <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say it. Because I just remember growing <laughs> up and it's like, man, I remember being a PK and some of my friends Dude, are like, Chris, yeah. I would go to church with you, but yeah. church is so boring. Yeah, your church is boring. Bro. And I'm like, no, church is not no, boring. church is awesome. People are boring. People are boring. <laughs> You know, but that's true. And yes. that's what he talks about. In Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, it says it right on their website, right? Adventure. Yes. The adventure of life. And that's what Brian's about. And that is the adventure of following Jesus Christ. Exactly. And that's what CMN is about, the Global Fatherhood Initiative. It is it is about the adventure of life. Exactly. You and know, having following fun. Following ministry. Yeah. We are just having fun. Yeah, we are having fun. You know, that's an interesting thing. We can explore that in, in, the, in the after thing because uh, Brian speaks about that. You know, there is a depth to it. Yes. There is a uh, seriousness. There are parts of life that hurt. Yeah. Right? And so Brian speaks to that and uh, brings it back to it really is all about Jesus. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to introduce you today to uh, Brian Tome, who is the pastor of Cross, Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio and uh, has a number of books that he's written. We're going to talk about that today, the Aggressive Life podcast and so forth, today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with uh, Brian Tome, who's a pastor of Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I just found out a few moments ago, talking before we started the recording, you're, you were a Steelers fan growing up, though. Yeah, man. If you're in Pittsburgh, that's the way it is. I mean, you born in Pittsburgh, you're you're dyed in the black and gold. So it was really it was really painful for me, Paul, to go from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati, oh, go to a place man. where there is where there's Super Bowls and. And a team that knows how to win the playoffs uh, to a team that has not won in the playoffs in decades. So it's a painful thing. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the deal. I'm in Dallas area, so uh, we're the same way, except it's in reverse. In other words, we were, <laughs> we were doing great for until about 24 years ago. So it's only been 24 years of mediocrity, which, you know, there you go. And, Don't uh, tell Jerry Jones that. Well, but it is. Uh, okay, well, thank you, Jerry, is usually what we say. Hey, Brian, but you've pastored for years, planted that church there, and then you just, did it start with, did you start this church with a sense of, man, I've got to build some strong men? Or did that happen over a period of time? Because now with uh, Man Camp and the, all the materials you do for men, your Instagram is really encouraging men, your new devotional, all this stuff. And you are just carving out something and reaching men across in North America. Did that come across your path later or was it something you always started with we didn't we didn't start the church saying hey we want to put our thumbprint on men but we did start the church saying we want to chart new ground in the area of vulnerability in the area of realness in the area of just being more relatable to the average guy we want our we want, we want to have a masculine voice so that that's always mm -hmm. been important to do not saying, hey, we're going to have a church full of men, but hey, I'm kind of a classic guys guy guy. 
So let's let's just make sure I am who I am on stage. And then about, oh shoot, Paul, I don't know about about I don't know eight years ago, seven seven years ago, things started taking form where we saw uh, that there was some new things we wanted to start that were really helping men. So that's the journey we've been on. Yeah, and and so the instigation of that when you talk about that seven or eight years ago, what what tipped over? And you know, did you see something yeah. in culture and you go, man, this is a mess or was it just like, Hey, this is a cool thing. Well, everything I was seeing in culture was bothering me. Yeah. It's, it's hard to see it much in culture. If you're a man who's at, trying to go after the heart of God and not scratch your head and go, what, what are you, what are we doing here? What, what? It's hard not to see that. Yeah. But I did a sermon series. Oh gosh. I don't know. Eight, nine years ago. It was called new man. And it was based on stuff I was doing with my son, trying to bring my son into manhood. And in that series, I talked about the five marks of man. They were the five things I worked on with my son. And it was an amazing series. Like everybody loved it. Like love, love, men, women, the whole thing. Which I just spoke to guys the whole series. And then three years later, we said, well, let's do this again. Uh, let's call it something different. But this time, we realized we need to have something for men to do afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we, uh, I was on a motorcycle trip with some guys and we were sitting around a fire uh, in the morning and talking about some important meaty stuff. And I said to the guys, how can we get more guys experiencing this? We, we, we come out, we're stretched, we're pushed, we get away from our normal life. We laugh, we have significant deep conversation. What can we do to get more guys experience this? Who, who don't have to ride a motorcycle and don't even like motorcycling. Right. And that, that group came up and said, well, why don't we just do a, a camping thing, have men camp and we'll have some adventure things and have some campfires. And so we said, all right, good. We'll try that. So for that series, um, uh, Paul, that second series, we told folks, all right, at the end of the series, we're going to uh, name the series is called Wolf Pack because we all need, okay. We all need our own wolf. Um, you know, I, I went to see a trainer out in Montana. You ever seen a real wolf, Paul? Yeah. I mean, they're 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 really intimidating creatures. And one of them was a lone wolf. And the and the and the guy, this Montana guru guy who rescues wolves and everything, said that's a that's a lone wolf. And he said, you know about that lone wolf? I said, no, I don't know much about it at all. And he said, well, lone wolves are always smaller than all the other wolves. And they always die sooner than all the other wolves because you, the wolves need a pack to be able to pull down something that gives them real protein. You know, of course, in America, how many of us as men are, well, I'm kind of like a lone wolf. Well, he's a lone wolf guy. It's like he's big, bad. No, if you're a lone wolf, you're a freaking loser. You're lonely. Yeah, it's, you're uh, hurting. You're weak. Yeah, it's the Marlboro man on a, on a uh, saddle on a horse, you know, facing the, you know, obstacles or whatever. With and, no one you know, else around him. Yeah, an army of one uh, always loses, basically. Yes. Right. So we had that we had that series called Wolfpack. And then we said as an addendum, said, hey, if you want to dig into these ideas more, then um, we're going to do a – we have a, an overnight. We had a guy who had a farm in Indiana. And uh, we got we got room for uh, 500 dudes. So if anyone wants to come, it's – I don't know what it was, 25 bucks, something like that. Yeah, when registration to open up on Monday morning at 6 a.m., we had 500 people paid up with credit card entered in 90 seconds. And we realized, okay, we've got something here. So that started the beginning of, of man camp. And so here we are 
six years later, we've taken about 17,000 guys through an experience yeah. um, to connect with each other and connect with God. Where do you, where do you feel like men are? So now you're a study or you begin to study man culture in that sense in our culture yes. in general. Where do you feel men are today in, uh, in, we're speaking about North America, even though guys will be listening, but pretty much I, I think, you know, as I travel around the world, this Western culture tends to permeate most cultures. Where do you feel we're at? I think the main problem, I think the problem that is most common, not every guy has it, that is most common is loneliness. I think loneliness mm. and isolation is, is the biggest problem. It's leading to, <clears throat> it's reading the suicides. Men have suicides. I think the last time I saw the statistics is twice as often as women have suicides. Mm-hmm. We're three times more, uh, more likely to have um, alcohol-related legal incidences in our life. We're three times more likely to have a, um, a mental disease. Uh, so, and I think the common thread through all these things is loneliness. Guys don't know other people. They don't know who to unwind with. They don't know who to talk to their crap about with. They, they, don't know, they don't have anybody to laugh with. They don't have anybody to just do life with. And, and we're, we're not made to be alone. And we're alone and it's killing us and it's killing our country. One of the things you see with all these mass shooters, active shooters, which, hey, maybe one good thing about the COVID stuff we're in, we haven't had an, a- had an active shooter for seven months. <laughs> you know, But one of the things you find out with all those dudes is, one, they're all dudes. They come from the right. They come from the left. They have different spiritualities, different skin colors, but they're all dudes. They are all lonely. They are all lonely and they are all isolated. And um, this is not good for our culture. You know, and uh, Warren Farrell, who wrote the, the Boy Crisis, I'm sure you've seen that. Warren and I were talking last week about it. And he said, uh, they're all fatherless. Mm, yes. He said, he said in his studies and research, he said that's, that's one of the key indicators that leads guys towards that. And perhaps that leads to loneliness. Well, if you think about, well, this is one of my problems. I, I had, my dad was around, very thankful for my dad. But my dad also didn't um, model for me what it looked like to be, have, have a friendship. Mm. My dad didn't have any friends. I, didn't, I never saw dad going out and hanging out with guys. Now, I think part of that might be that my dad's on the spectrum someplace. He's a classic engineer, nuclear engineer. So maybe there's some of that, but, but I didn't see that. And guys, when they don't have dads, which is an increasing percentage of America, yeah. they're not seeing that model either. And so we have, our, we have our frat boy days or our party days or underage drinking days, maybe in high school for some guys who get into that. And in those environments where – you know, we're, we're, we're quote unquote male bonding. It's normally around alcohol, right? We're quote unquote male bonding. We go to a, we go to a fraternity or we're in college and we're around people. We do intramural sports around people. And then once we get out of those environments, Paul, and we're into our normal life, then it's like game on. Now I'm trying to make it in my career. And we don't have anything in our mind that brings men into our life. We don't have any environment to hang out with guys. And so when a guy says, I say, Who, who's your best friend? And when they name somebody who they work with, I know there's a problem because you're only that friend because you work with them. As soon as you get transferred or they get transferred, you've lost your friend because it's purely work-related. It's convenience. It's not a relationship of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. We've committed to comfort at the expense of character. 
you know, I, I was uh, on a on a bike at the gym, you know, uh, kind of been working out at home for the last few months because of this COVID thing. But but I was on a bike and a guy came up to a, a man next next to me and he goes, uh, hey, I haven't seen I forget the guy's name. I haven't seen Bill around. You know, uh, we used to always see each other. You know, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> the guy looks at him and goes, dude, Bill had a heart attack. He hasn't been around here for months. Because uh, really, I had no idea. Right, he's a friend of mine, <laughs> and I'm like, "There you go, man. That's it, right there. We're we're friends if we're sitting next to each other on stationary bikes." Right, exactly. And if the guy's not there, I don't even. You know, to me, I th- I guess Brian, to me, the, the part of the picture of friendship is not only are you there for somebody, but you're actually involved in their lives. You know the name of their kids. You know, you know, if they have kids for that matter. And uh, to me, I think that's where church, if you're a pastor, pastor of a, a significant church in North America, um, that's where to me, church, and we talk about isolation and all this, this whole COVID thing and Zoom and all that, I feel like it's been isolating guys, but that's where church really pulls guys together. That's a place to meet friends. We talk about why do I need to go to church? Well, because you need brothers. Well, it can be a place to pull us together, but it, it's not going to pull us together if the extent of that is sitting in a 65-minute weekend service right. that is, that is ge- generally, genuinely geared to women. Yeah. Um, so uh, the church can be and should be uh, a great melting pot for men to connect and, and see one another and then connect outside of those walls. Yeah. But, you know, normal normal church programs are are just not doing it. And, yeah, so and it, has to be, that out. it has to be somebody like you. I, a friend of mine, Jeff Gorsuch, who was a fighter pilot, he said, uh, women bond face to face, but men bond shoulder to shoulder facing a challenge. And, and it, so what I've seen you do, you know, everything you talk about, you know, aggressive uh, life, you know, your podcast, uh, everything is about get up, do something. But it doesn't have to just be motorcycles, right? It, we could get up, we could write a script for a great movie. We could, you know, whatever it is, create something. Start a business, write a script for a movie, plant a garden. I mean, any of those things, guys, guys bond with one another when they're doing something together. Yeah. So the old days of, and there were days like this, some men like this, I was never one of them. The old days of, Hey, let's gather into a, into a living room and let's put a book on our lap. And let's talk about the contents of the book. For most guys, most of the time, that's not something they're going to reorient their schedule to. Now, if you say, hey, we all like gardening. We're all going to go garden together. And then we're going to talk about these things. Or we all like bowling. Or we all like hunting. Or if there's something you're doing and then the conversation comes, that's okay. But most guys, they need that. Whereas my wife doesn't need that. My wife just needs to talk with some people. And that's what she wants. Guys aren't like that. No, it's true. Uh, you know, at Lakewood Church, where we do uh, a lot of ministry with our, with our curriculum there, one of the things that they always do is they always are doing something. Like right now, they've got a whole group of guys that have gone to Louisiana to help with, uh, you know, the hurricane relief efforts. And uh, they've done a ton of work over the last couple of years because of the hurricane that came through Houston. So you're right. I think you're right, Brian, is doing something. Now, there's got to be a place for teaching, training. You're a teacher. You train. It can't just be organic in the sense of a few guys just start talking and all of a sudden here's these tip over points for right. somebody. 
right? Well, I did, I did an event. Uh, event is too, and too intense of it. It wasn't a man camp, which is a pure event. I did something, gosh, a couple of months ago where I just put out, I'm going to be at these GPS coordinates. And if you want to come, you can come. And we had, I don't know, 30, 40 dudes show up. And, um, and it was a, a night of camping. And we camped and we talked. I gave a couple, um, uh, I gave a scriptural talk on the, the night and then the next morning. And, but, you know, guys were, guys were having fun, laughing with each other, cutting up with one another, you know, doing things that guys do when they're out, out in the woods around a campfire. But it was the thing, like if I, if I said, come to Crossroads Church in meeting room A, I'm going to talk to you about some principles. I'm telling you, we would not have had 30, 40 dudes show up. Yeah. Right? That was just one little quick post. Yeah. They needed to do something. <laughs> you know, guys ask, but guys will tell me, uh, hey, I'm, you know, you'll mention something like that. And they go, well, I'm not really into a Bible study. I said, well, it's not really that. It's about being successful in, in scaling your business. Oh, or it's about, you know, helping keep your kids off drugs. Oh, had no idea. And the fact is, is that's what, that's what the word of God does in our lives, right? Wisdom, mm-hmm. character, yes. uh, conviction, holding yourself rightly, doing the right thing, uh, not, not being overwrought with anxiety in the middle of crisis. And that's what the word of God and the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit does in a man's life. So uh, there has to be an intentionality about that, doesn't there? Yes, there does. Yes, there is. Not just the intentionality of the content, but the intentionality of the environment. We, we, no, we're never going to make someone do what they don't want to do. Yeah. If someone doesn't want to stop drinking, they're not going to stop drinking no matter how much accountability you put into their life. And if someone doesn't want to come to the meeting simply because it's a Bible study, you're never going to get them to come to the meeting, let alone apply it. There's got to be something in it that makes them feel like they should be in it. Yeah, it stirs their heart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Bill Bright years ago said, uh, he said, the large men aren't stirred by small visions. And, and so there has to be something that stirs a man's heart. Hey, what, what stirs your heart, Brian? Oh man. I'll tell you what, uh, what's stirring my heart today is seeing the level of man, just confusion in the average guy's life. The average mm-hmm. guy is just confused and he's, he's lonely. We already talked about loneliness yeah, and isolation. And, and a lot of guys we talked about, who talked about that, you know, seven months ago was, oh, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel that. I'm, I don't feel isolated, but boy, they do now after all the COVID stuff has hit the level of depression in the normal guy's life has skyrocketed. So I just have a heart for, average dudes get into a new place and i've been one of those guys the first time in my life i had depression now my depression is not was not the curled up in a fetal position lying in bed you look on the national institute of health website and they may they talk about depression for men and it looks different it, it you go down the list it was like anger check irritability check not sleeping as well check not doing a hobby that you've traditionally really liked. Check. I mean, just go down these things. I'm going, man, I, I am for the first time. I'm, I'm, I'm not myself here. Now, if a guy like me, who's pretty rooted with Christ, 
who still has a job, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's got kids who are going the right direction, who, um, who doesn't have any other health problems. If I'm feeling hurt, hurting, if I'm feeling beaten down, what is it like for the average person that doesn't have the, the spiritual fortitude or the bank of years following Christ that I do and has problems that I don't do? Who's helping that guy? Yeah. Who's, who's getting that guy to a place of sanity? Yeah. There's not that many places in the, in, in the country, um, Paul, that are doing that. There's, there's just not. There's a lot of people trying to get people to follow them on social media, but there's just <laughs> not a lot of places that are, or, or things that are actually trying to reach out and pull some guy to the next level. You know, uh, it's something that I've shared for some time that that really was a revelation to me, Brian, some time ago was Goliath. You know, I had always grown up and I grew up on the coast in California. So a little different filter on things. And so when I heard about Goliath, you know, I read that story about Goliath came and cursed Saul and his army. Now, I just figured the guy showed up. He's big, huge guy. He's got a little buzz on. He's drinking beer and and he starts F-bombing Saul. And what I discovered later is the the curses, the underlying meaning of that wasn't uh, cursing or swear words. It was actually telling them they'll never make it. You don't measure Mm. up. Things are not going going to go well in your life. I will defeat you. It was all those things. I feel like we have a Goliath in our lives, every single one of us. Yeah. On a regular basis. And, and somehow we got to show up like David, even, even having been rejected by his daddy still shows up because he had a heavenly father. Um, how do you, how do you help guys navigate towards that, Brian? Man, you, you bring up Goliath and you bring up David. That story is rich and rich. And, and there's, there's time. Every time I look at that story, I get new things I hadn't gotten before. Like I'll give you the two most recent things. I thought I learned everything about that. I hadn't. Have you ever noticed? Maybe you already know this and you're smarter than me because you are older than me. I want to be very clear. Come on, Paul man. Paul is old, older yeah, yeah. than me. You know me. what? I'll come right through the phone right now, bro. Older than me. We'll, we'll, go, remember, we'll go right now. Do you remember when, when, uh, when Goliath falls? Do you remember which way he falls? No. He falls forward. That's the text very clearly says. Yeah. He falls forward forward now it also says that the stone hits him in the forehead how is it you get hit in the forehead but you fall forward you know it's supposed to be the velocity of a 38 special bullet that hits him how does that happen well i just learned recently because the hebrew there the word actually could be translated hit him in his front and when does a man fall forward he falls forward and he gets kicked in the balls yeah it's very likely that David, that, that thing hit him in the balls, his slings, and then he takes his sword and he, not, and he takes off his head. I, I, and I think what, it is, what that says to me as a man is, you know, sometimes I can't kill things that are right before me immediately. Sometimes you got to be okay with a ball shot. Sometimes it's just the little things. You got you to you you see your wins, right? You got to see, see little yeah. wins. And not go for the kill shot. The other thing that happens with Goliath, I never noticed. I got this from a, a Chuck, Chuck Swindoll um, book when he, when he wrote on this. So I hadn't seen right. it before. Every day he's taunting. Every day he is – Chuck Swindoll didn't talk about getting hit in the balls. Maybe he did. I just read one little section of it. 
But every day Goliath was cursing Saul, he was taking new ground. He was getting bigger. Every day he was getting, he was going forward with his taunts and getting bigger. And as men, if we don't, you know, kick our problems in the nuts or take our problems off at the, at the head. Every day they get bigger. Yes. Every day they get more ominous. Every day the situation becomes worse and worse. How and we need, help? and we need a, we need a guy. We need, we need a guy. Well, how do I help? I just tell people you can't do this. You are, you are stronger than you think. You are more capable than you think. I'm, I'm not trying to do Stuart Smalley and doggone it. I like me. I'm not trying to say, I'm just saying, you have strength you think. You think about ancient men, Nero's legions, the ancient emperors, they would carry a pack that was 50% of their body weight, and they would do a marathon a day for multiple days, sometimes a marathon and a half in terms of marching multiple days. Yes, Us yes. as men, we are way stronger than we think we are, and we become very, very weak. You know, we have shin splints now as men. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of evidence that shows that men used to not get shin splints at all. Do you know why we get shin splints now? The best, the best theory is, best theory is because we have such soft, comfortable shoes that our bones and our shins aren't hardening the way they used to. In World War II, no one ever got shin splints, and they were just on hard leather. Where yeah. we softened ourselves. And I, yeah. I like to remind guys, you're, you, you're stronger than you think you are. You have more capacity than you think you have capacity for. Yeah, there's no question. The problem is for most, you know, for all of us, capacity is also, always the result of stretching, and most of us push back on that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're, not, we're not better as a result of it. We're, we've become weaker. And when I say weaker, I'm not talking about we need to be macho man. Man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm right. not, Paul, saying that we need to, you know, be the Tony Robbins Christian version of accomplishment. I'm just going like our loneliness, our isolation, our listlessness, our directionless, uh, our directionlessness, if that's a word. Those things are yeah. real, and every cultural indicator points to those things. And so we've got to have guys believing that we can have a different future. And God can do something with us that we might not have thought possible. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network has a YouTube channel with inspirational videos. There you can find the innovative new study, Monday Night Men. When you get there, make sure you click subscribe. Monday Night Men is a fresh resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meeting. As an individual, enlarge, energize, and build a strong mindset. This 13-week study will be on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. 
Stop what you're doing and take your phone, tablet, or computer and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, unless you think you will lose the podcast. In that case, make a note. That's the Christian Men's Network or Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Brian Tone. You know, uh, you've got one son, two daughters, uh, and your son, I, I love that little part in, uh, it reminded me of like an Eldridge thing, uh, where when, when he was five years old, you bought him a, a, a slingshot. And it wasn't just a little five-year-old game slingshot, it was an actual full-on hurt somebody slingshot. Heck yeah. I thought, yeah, of course. I thought that was awesome. But then, well, I would yeah. bring him. I'd bring him knives when I would go away, go out of town. I'd bring him a, a new knife. You have a knife collection. You'd be like six years old. He's got these sharp objects, and people would go, "What are you doing? He can't handle that." I said, "Well, if if he thinks that he can't handle it, then he won't handle it. But if I am telling him that he can handle it, then he'll be able to handle it." That was my way to tell him he can, to breathe life into him, to give him confidence. And my son at age six needs that as much as my son does now at age 27, as much as I do right now at age 54, knocking on the door of 55. All of us are more insecure than we think we are. Uh, All of us have needs that we're not broadcasting the world. All of us need somebody to breathe life into us and, and, and encourage us. Yeah. And then you also, in that same section, talked about uh, one day you, you went to where he worked. He was working in a restaurant. <laughs> and you and your wife showed up and he wasn't there. Tell us that story. It's a great story. Yeah, he hates I tell the story. So I know, I know. I, I was the same with my dad, man. I'm in a book. I'm in books. Guys walk up to me in the middle of Africa and go, are you the one that kicked a hole in the door? I go, yeah, dude, that was like 60 years ago, bro. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah. No, anyway. he, was, uh, he, was, he was at a high-end uh, restaurant. He was bussing tables. And uh, Lib and I, my wife and I, decided to go and just see him at work. And it was an expensive restaurant for us. But we also knew the owner. So I kind of fine. We'll support the owner and, and see Jake at his first, like, legit paycheck job. You this know, is the like, first real. Yeah, deal. exactly. I mean, he had yard jobs and stuff like that. But this is like. Yeah. The government knows you and they're taking your money kind of job. So, right. so we showed up and um, saw the little maitre d' guy there. And I said, oh, yeah, we're here to you know, see Jake today. So any, any table that he's going to be busting or something be fine. And I said, oh, uh, well, Jake, Jake called in sick today. He said, he did? I said, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> go home and. Hey, hey, man! What went to one see you? Where, where were you? Uh, he, oh, just feeling low. His, his girlfriend broke up with him. Yeah. I said, your girlfriend broke up with you. You don't, you don't not work because your girlfriend broke up with you. You don't freaking go home and like wham wham just cry yourself to sleep because your girlfriend broke. No, you you have a you have a business that's depending on you. You have people who are counting on you. You're a person of your word. You, we don't we don't just not show up because we're sad. That's what I said to him. <laughs> In my knife. Exactly how I said it to him, by the way. And um, but it was a, that yeah, was an identity know. moment, and that's what dads do for for sons, and that's why fatherlessness breeds kids who don't know how to. You know they they're you know they haven't dropped yet, and 
they don't know how to pick themselves back up out of something because nobody's ever taught them. And, you know, it's, it's like a, a little meme I saw the other day where the guy was joking about a football game and the re, the announcer was talking and he said, uh, wait a minute to stop play. What is it? So-and-so is on the field. Hang on. Uh, is he hurt? Oh no, no. The team psychologist is out there. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said something to him and he's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dude, that is, you know, but you were teaching them identity and perseverance and endurance and tenacity and, and, you know, and also like, I thought it was great because I think the way you said it was, uh, uh, let's call her Jill, even though her real name was Stephanie. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. Yes. you've got this little rebellious thing in you, you know, out of the streets of Pittsburgh and you moved to Cincinnati with it and it seems to have gone well, but. You know, uh, do you think that what do you mean that, by that? This rebellious thing. What do you mean by that? This rebellious thing. Uh, cause you like to poke at people. You like I do. To, yeah. You like to poke at people and, and rebellious in the sense of, I'm just not going to take that because this is the way you said it's supposed to be. Uh, or this is the way culture is. Uh, I don't think so. So it's bam. And I don't remember, you know, so it's in that sense, uh, a radicalized sense of, uh, self, a direction that is willing to be in the minority. And you talk about that a lot. Yeah. I think that that's one of the, that's one of the differences between a man and a boy is a boy wants to be in the majority and a man, uh, a man takes a minority position. You know, you're, you're probably like me. Very rarely do we ever vote for somebody who wins, <laughs> you know, cause our values, our beliefs are in the minority. Yeah. They, they just are. So I, I like to, when you say poke people, <clears throat> um, just because I'm in the minority doesn't mean I'm wrong. The, Jesus says, <laughs> wide is the way that leads to destruction. So if you're in the majority, you're likely going towards the way of destruction because the way to life is very, very narrow. Why is that a very, very narrow path? Because very few people are on it. That's why it's not like God is intentionally restricting the way life. It just doesn't have to be a super highway because not a lot of people want that. So I like poking at people and poking at things because generally it's around the narrow way concepts mm. versus the wide is the way. That's mm -hmm. generally why even in churches, there's just some wide avenues that people are on that every once in a while I just like to just kind of like poke at it and say, Hey, are, are, are you sure? Not to be an antagonist just because I think there is a, there's a different life out there if we see the ways of God versus the ways of the masses. Yeah. Tell me about how, uh, how you protect your wife. How, how do you do that? You know, we, we talk about this a lot to guys and they're like, well, I, you know, I bring home money, make sure that's there. How do you protect your wife's heart? How does that act, oh, actually work out in your life? I don't, I honestly don't know that I've done a great job with that. I don't, I don't know. I could tell you how I've tried my wife and I have, you know, had our share of challenges, just like just about every, every other married couple. Some, sometimes you protect your wife's heart when there's a guy who's hitting on her and, and, uh, and you know, that needs to stop. I found that out with a, a trainer where my wife was going to work out. There was a trainer who was doing that and I intercepted some messages and decided to go in into the gym and call him out in the middle of that. Um, went out in the parking lot. Fortunately, I'd, I'd, I'd surprised him so much when I interrupted his session that 
I went out in the park and we just had literally had words and that was it. So I was thankful for, <laughs> thankful yeah. for that. Um, but yeah, I find, I find Paul yeah. that those are, those are sort of the easy ones. I mean, it's not easy to go and maybe get into a physical fight where you could lose a tooth. Well, it's very um, clear. It's, it's, yes. it's clear. It's that's it. Obvious. It's like clear, obvious. It's like right. obvious. Okay. Bam. But the subtle slices of razor blades are hard to see. Right. The subtle things of you talk about you're protecting your wife's heart. Like, you know, can I, is my humor too jarring for her? Mm. Uh, can I treat her verbally the same way I do my male friends? No, I can't. Um, I haven't been so good at that. Um, noticing things that she's doing that could, that could turn into something that's really addictive or really destructive. Mm. Do I, do I say something about that? How do I say something about that? How do I, how, how do I engage in that without being, you know, a moralizer or a whatever that, 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 that's a difficult one. Without the, being brutal. Yeah. The, the conversations around, her hopes and dreams of where our money should be going. Well, I tend to have some real opinions about our family's hopes and dreams of where the money needs to be going. So I tend to enter those discussions with her, trying to convince her of my ways. That's not protecting her heart. Um, that's, not, that's not cultivating an intimate relationship. These are all the things, Paul, that are, that are about intimacy, not sex. Right. Sex can be intimate, but these are the things that I as a guy struggle with. Yeah, well, good sex comes out of intimacy. It doesn't create intimacy. It comes out of it. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, I think Kevin Lehman said this. He said, sex starts in the kitchen. Hmm. His whole point was, when you go in and help and load the dishwasher <laughs> and unload it, that starts some areas of intimacy that most men uh, don't even recognize. I thought it was a fascinating comment by him. Well said. So, Okay, but my point is on that, Brian, is that when you raise your son, you had some intentional things. And when you guard your wife's heart, there's some intentional things. So where does that intentionality come from? How do you order your day that creates those things in your heart, a true north, a sense of center? <clears throat> You've got to, you have to have the big rocks in the calendar, that old Stephen Covey illustration from a long, long, long time ago is that, you know, if you've got, if you got a big container and you fill it up with big river rocks is it full no it's not full then he takes gravel and puts it in because it fills in the cracks he says it's full no it's not full he takes sand and he pours it in it goes in between the cracks he says it's a full no it's not full he takes water you know he pours in and, and of course if you started with water or sand you wouldn't have any room for the big rocks bigger rocks but when you put the bigger rocks in it gives it gives space for things so i've got to have the big rocks in my schedule with my wife, which are things that are just no brainers in there. Like our family meal together, family meal was all the kids and now it's just her and I, but we're still having it together. Like, you know, morning conversations and cup of coffee with one another. Um, like a date night on Thursday night, which has been very difficult with COVID, you know, like our couple small group that we have tonight. Uh, if, if you, if you, and I'm not saying you have to have all those things, but you have to have things that are in your calendar, in your schedule, where conversation is going to naturally come out of. 
where things are going to naturally come up. And so that's the things that we've tried to do. Yeah. Set your personal calendar first. Yes. Yeah. I put all, I uh, start of each year, you know, well, I'm probably like you halfway through this year, I'm working on next year and, and there's stuff that goes in in ink and then there's other things that go in in pencil and uh, kids birthdays and anniversaries and, and uh, you know, things with close friends are in ink. Basically the only thing that changed a couple of things this year, of course, was COVID. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that's, that's really key, Brian. I, I want to mention everybody, BrianTome.com, T O M E B R I A N T O M E.com. And you've got an incredible, and then also we can go on, uh, we can go on Amazon or one of the other sales things and grab five marks of a man. And I want to mention that. And then also you've got the new devotional move, which I think is uh, tremendous. And, uh, and then your, your uh, podcast is everywhere, right? The Aggressive Life? Yes. yes. Everywhere, everywhere the finest podcasts are, we can find That's your podcast. Right. And then we've also got a special on Amazon Prime called Phantom Lake. Yeah, that's it's the motorcycle the Yes. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Fantastic. Well done. You know, it's, uh, and I, I so appreciate, Brian, I just got to tell you, man, I appreciate you. And I thank God for a wife who understands and gets this stuff because she's in the journey with you to reach the hearts of men. I feel like if we touch the heart of a man, we'll reach the soul of a nation. And in, until men find that place of acceptance of responsibility and that center in Christ, you know, Colossians 1.17, you know, we're, we're going to keep having these issues in the church and culture and everywhere in the world. And so, uh, you know, my thing is, it's just the world changes one man at a time, right? That's right. Yeah. Always has, always will. Yeah, so that's, and uh, also your Instagram, it's Brian Tome, T-O-M-E, and your Instagram's awesome. And uh, your stories, I think your stories are great when you do the answered questions, because some guys have some really pertinent questions, like about sex, about drinking, about (laughs) different things. They're not just asking you uh, what kind of, uh, because you've got an, because you're an Overland camper, right? That's your one of your things. Yeah. Yep. So you've outfitted a truck really well done, though. Is it, was that a? Chevy truck? I can't remember. Yeah, overlanding has been my, well, talk about marriage, Paul. This is a big one. I've, I've done a lot of motorcycle adventuring, and it's been, uh, it's called, we've gone basically go from one side of a state to the other side of the state, on dirt the whole way, and we camp the whole way. Me and my friends, we've done a lot of states. It's great, great, great. The problem is, is it's hard to do that with your wife. You can't, you can take your wife on the back of a Harley. You can't take your wife very easily on the back of a dirt bike and have two people's camping gear. It just, it just doesn't work very well. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say transitioned out of motorcycling. I'm still doing that, but a lot of that time is spent with my wife doing overlanding, which is in essence doing the same thing except with four wheels. So I had a Chevy Silverado. It probably would not be anybody's prime suspect to overland with. You put a, a rooftop tent over, you put all your stuff in, but I already had it. It was four wheel drive and it was paid for. <laughs> so there you go. we tricked, we tricked that out, put a, put a bunch of stuff on it and um, we get out and do it pretty regularly. And it's really brought us, brought us together. It's something we do together, which uh, many of us know the old line, you know, families that pray together, stay together. I don't know how true that is. I believe in prayer. I'm, I'm sure it's true, but I'll tell you one thing that I know is true. Families that play together, stay together. Come on, man. We have, we have got to find ways that we're actually laughing with other people and smiling and having fun. 
And so the overlanding stuff was done for my wife and I. That's awesome. I, I think Jesus did that. I, in fact, like Lazarus, I, <laughs> I think about Lazarus is he was always hanging out in Bethany. And, uh, and Lazarus was such a close friend, he didn't make him a disciple. Because he needed somebody to hang out with. He needed a guy that he could sit with and go, you know, if James and John's mom shows up one more time, they're both out. You know, it's like, or you should have seen Peter, man. It was <laughs> like I picked him up, but it was, and they're just laughing. And then not only right. that, but he's got, he's got two sisters. One of them can cook and the other's dangerous. So that's my take on, uh, on him hanging in Bethany a lot. And I like then, that. And then the minute, you know, the minute he started his ministry, he built a house on the lake at Caesarea. So, you know, there's things about Jesus. We holify it. I don't know. That's probably not a word either, but right. we make it too sacred in the sense of not living life. And that's why I appreciate what you do, Brian, because you bring this, when I say rebellious, I mean in the sense of poking the traditional sort of sacred cows of, of uh, religion or whatever you want to say. Yeah, you know? we've got them for sure. Have you seen uh, The Chosen? Oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was a guy here in Dallas who produced it. And right. uh, I've watched the first episode. haven't seen it since. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that greatly. I think it just gets better and better every episode. And I think he portrayed Jesus doing that really well, um, appropriately poking and uh, just appropriately uh, winsome. Um, I, I thought he did a great job with that. But 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 I appreciate your your words. I'm uh, I'm not really trying to do shock factor. I'm really no. not. Some people think right. oh, I am. I'm not. I'm just trying to help us see things that I think are pretty obvious and pretty helpful. You know, if it's shocking, we're too religious. A number of years ago, uh, my wife and I are sitting in a meeting with some friends of ours from Australia. My pastor's uh, in Australia, Phil Pringle. And we're some of these Aussie guys. And these Aussie guys, their background's not religious. But, man, these guys are just fire breathers man they're getting cranked up stuff done and this guy's up talking about some things so vulnerably and so open and so just aussie style when we got done my wife and i got in the car together and we both looked at each other and we said we are really religious aren't we we didn't think we, <laughs> we didn't think we were we're children of the 60s i grew up you know going to Haight ashbury and, and surfing in the 60s and 70s and we thought we were but, you know, this stuff gets on us, Brian, and it takes guys it like you uh, to kind of knock that stuff off of us. Because why would some guy be attracted? How could we reach men if we're walking around going, hey, come be like us? And we're these kind of bent up, shriveled little, uh, you know, guys that, right. that aren't having any fun. Well, and it's part of the difficulty of american christianity mm. uh we have become so feminized and what i mean by feminized i'm not talking about we allow women to be pastors and women to lead worship. i'm not talking about that i don't want to get into theological debate with yeah, you but yeah, i'm yeah. pro that i'm i'm personally pro women in leadership yeah. okay uh, what i'm talking about here is the entire veneer of our christianity yeah. is feminine 90 percent of all christian books are bought by women 90%. So you, you think about this. If you're a Christian publisher, whether you're a male or whether you're a female, what are you in business to do as a Christian publisher? What are you in business to do? You're in business to? Sell books to women. Right. 
to make money. That's why you're there. Oh no, yeah. we're here. No, you're there to make money. That's where you're there. And so where, where are you going to be putting your efforts? You're going to be putting your efforts into women because that is where the money is that starts yeah. there. And it trickles down into every conference and every church. We just, we speak, women speak from our platforms. <laughs> we, we talk about things the way women want to hear. And I don't think there's a, I don't think men are, or, or toward church boards are, are being, um, you know, like brainwashed about it. It's just in the culture. It's in the yeah. water. We, we just do these things. We, we, we're not speaking to normal men, which is why if your church is killing it with men, if it's killing it with men, you've got 30% men and 70% women. If you're killing it, most churches are, are not even that. I'm talking about who's actually showing up, not who's on the rolls. I'm talking about turn around and look in church. Who we're speaking to is who we're reaching, and we're doing a really good job of reaching women. I'm glad we are, but we've got a real, real outage with men. Yeah, I agree. So we got to go after men. We're fishers of men. And uh, thank God for women. Thank God for uh, uh, Luke's, you know, friend Lydia that kind of underwrote a bunch of the early church and all those sorts of things. But um, and, and really, the church of Jesus Christ, I mean, when we talk about the book of Acts and Jesus, and Christians. It's the first time women were liberated. I mean, it's the first time that women were called joint heirs. Yeah. That that didn't happen. That's why that word's in there. It didn't happen in that culture. They were never heirs of anything. And so uh, Christianity is the thing, is, uh, is the only faith that really takes women and, and helps them express who they are truly as, as women. But it's also uh, a place where Jesus needs to uh, be exalted among men right. and men um, have some stones. We have one of the guys. Well, on we're, our all board. Called, we're all called sons of God in the Bible. That right. means include, including women right. are called sons of God. We're all children of God, but there's verse in there about being sons of God, because just what you said, the inheritance women that culturally, it was the son who got the inheritance only right. now, of course, in the kingdom, it's men and women who, yeah. who are, who are getting inheritance. It, it's a yeah. wonderful thing. But what's not a wonderful thing is the average guy in America cannot relate to our Christian talk. One of the one of the men on our board, a uh, close friend of mine for many years, Joel Brooks, pastors Kalamazoo in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He just changed the name of his church about 18 months ago. Uh, it was uh, something, something Christian Center, Kalamazoo. And he just changed the name to Stones. And uh, so when somebody asks him about it, he goes, he says, it's because you need to have stones if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Uh, and, and that's good. That's why he changed it. He's got a couple thousand people, two, three thousand uh -huh. people. That's, that's kind of our ethos. Our culture is that, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm with you, Brian. I so appreciate your words and your stuff and the things you're doing. I want to I want guys to make sure they get this book. And five marks of a man is how you raised your son. And it's the things you put into him and you put into him. And this is what's, what's beautiful about it is it's an easy to read book. I know you've, the one I have is one of the first ones that, that came out. You've expanded it, put some other things in it, but I love the way, because it's for us as men, but it's also, here's how we raise the next generation. And yeah. I want to thank you for that, Brian. No, you're welcome. I appreciate the yeah. time to talk about it and, People can always go to bryantome.com. I'm bryantome.com. I've yep. got the books I've written, and you can subscribe to a, an email I do and 
some other stuff. So it's it's been great talking with you, Paul. Been a big, huge fan of yours and your legacy. Yeah, it's awesome, man. You know, Paul, seeing a man that is all about action and moving, mm-hmm. you know, the question that is in my brain is the fact is, do we oftentimes miss out on the fun because of the complexities of life and not keeping yeah, it simple? You know, you know, you said that at the start, you know, we have a lot of fun. And I and that's not to see, I think Jesus had a great time with his guys. Yeah. And if you read the original Aramaic and look at some of the things he said, there's riddles, he refers to certain things. Paul does the same thing when he's talking to people in Rome. Uh, particularly when he talked to people in Galatia when he was talking about circumcision. He says, you know what he says? Hey, I hope those guys, you know, if they really believe in that, I hope the knife slips, you know? So, uh, you know, so there is that. Yes. Okay. And yet it's like, uh, you know, Brian's all about transformation. Yes. And transformation, uh, the metamorphosis, that, that meta, that whole part where it talks about, you know, that basically speaks of metamorphosis speaks of the, um, the uh, worm that becomes a butterfly. Yeah. And that is, you know, when that cocoon starts going around you, that whole dark part of life. Yes. To bring out the beauty of stuff. There's some very difficult parts of life. Yeah. So when you talk about having fun, it is that uh, there has to be an expression of joy. Yes. You know, hope, peace, love, joy. Yes. Joy is part of it. Yes. Peace, that's part of it. Hope. Hope is what we, um, hope is where we, is what builds faith. Yes. Right? And so all of that makes up life. Yeah. When we talk about the fun part, what happens is too often we get so serious about it. And if you will, the contrast you're drawing, I think, Chris, is that uh, church, like when I was growing up, uh, the fun part was when, was when, when uh, Mrs. Goschalk, Sister Goschalk, as we talk, called her in our, would get really excited and start running around church. Now that was fun. <laughs> I remember okay. those services. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but if you really think about it, I, I wouldn't invite a friend of mine from sixth or no. seventh grade. Hey dude, church is fun, man. Yeah. You know, but I, I do remember, uh, and actually that would have been, uh, this is gosh, shocked. See, that would have been third and fourth grade. When I got into sixth and seventh grade, uh, actually there was a, a Sunday school teacher that uh, took us uh, shooting. And I got my NRA, National Rifle Association, Certificate of Safety and all that kind of stuff. And now that was something I invited friends of mine to church to be a part of, or friends of mine from school to come to church. And and that's what Brian Tome is saying. Yeah. Brian's saying, hey, what's attractive yeah. about sitting in a pew or if you're a charismatic, uh, you know, sort of church, you know, standing up and clapping and or if you go all the way to jumping up and down. Yeah. What's attractive about that to a guy, okay, mm-hmm. who's, who's uh, you know, working in construction. Life's not easy, a lot of stuff going on. And you say to him, hey man, why don't you go to church with me? What do you guys do? Uh, we clap, we <laughs> jump up and down. It's really cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Brian's going, no. Uh, yeah, that's part of it. That's where you learn to be disciple, but we also go out and we shoot stuff. Yeah. And we go fishing and we go camping. And, uh, you know, we, we do, uh, you know, uh, battle games with each other yeah. on, you know, on headsets and video games and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and all that stuff. 
In other words, the fun part is that life is meant to be uh, an adventure. Yes. Um, if you will, the sweet mystery of life. Yeah. Uh, and there has to be some something that says, okay, this is fun in the midst of stuff. Or why don't we just take Jesus' approach? Like mm-hmm. he said to Zacchaeus, let's be friends. Yeah, let's be friends. You and know I, what I'm saying? I'm coming to your house. Yeah, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming where you're at. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing let's what do you coffee. like to do, not even yeah. what I like to do. Let's just be friends. Yeah, so I think that, that when we talk about that, I think you're absolutely right. And I know this is where Brian lives, as, as you could tell in that, our conversation, is it's about transformation. Yes. And there is that serious part where your wife has cancer. Yes. And you've got a child that's in the hospital. And what do you do there? You've got to have an authentic faith. Exactly. That's fully orbed. Exactly. That allows you to be everything you were designed to be. Exactly. Not just this, you know, kind of a robot. Yes. Right? Exactly. Stuck in a thing, religious. Yeah. And, and now you've got to have a formula. Yeah. No, it's authentic following Christ. But see, that's why I love watching kids' faith, though, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I, you know, even when you were saying that last piece, the thing that just kept jumping out at me is when Jesus says, he says, unless you come to me as a child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the simplicities of the gospel that changes people's lives. I saw, you know, know, I've seen, and you've been there, too. I've seen, I've been in the refugee camps of uh, Northern Africa, uh, different parts of the world. I've watched children play. Yeah. With barely any clothes on, uh, playing a game with, with rocks, mm-hmm. you know, maybe drawing a circle, throwing rocks in it. And another one tries to do I've watched that. And you're right. Um, obviously, it is to us, the church, to help them move to a place where, they're, uh, where their life is better. Yes. But if we're going to do that, we have to do it authentically. Exactly. As fully transformed men, but as men, exactly. real men. Yeah. Like who live life yes and that's why i appreciate ryan's uh brian and uh, so brian thanks for being with us today on uh brave men uh that was a great conversation uh brian tome t-o-m-e and uh you can we mentioned it while we were talking about finding his uh, website and so forth but you also mentioned at the mid-break about our social media yes we're going in we've got uh the monday night men yes piece is uh huge blowing up We've had thousands of men go through that uh, Monday Night Men Bible study, and you can watch it at any time. You don't yes. just have to watch it on Monday, right? Go check our YouTube. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Yes. Christian so you Men's type Network, in, all one word. Christian Men's Network, all one word. Or yes. you can type in Monday Night Men exactly. in the search bar of YouTube. Yes. And up comes the Strong teaching. Men, Tough Times. Strong Men in Tough Times. Yep. Never Quit. And yes. now Power um, of Potential. Power of Potential, which is following uh, the dreams of Joseph. How did he hold on to his dreams? How did How did he built a tenacious faith that wouldn't let go in the middle of being in prison. Yes. It's pretty tough stuff, man. Well, when you have a dream mm-hmm. and you know that that dream is meant to come to yeah. fruition, yeah. you know, you hold on to it you until it manifests. It. The way my dad used to tell us, he said, just think of a, a bulldog. When a bulldog gets its mouth on something, That's right. you can beat it, you can kill it, but it's, it's still going to have that grip. And if we as men would begin to look at our dreams like that yeah man we would all walk in the fullness of what god has called us to be so you can you can write to us at paul at cmn.men chris mentioned that all of our materials uh for discipling men within the matrix of the local church are available at cmn.men that's christian men's network cmn.men and then the majoringinmen.com majoringinmen.com is a uh, 12-week course 
absolutely free because a number of our partners paid for that to be available to everyone now. So if you're a pastor, leader, church, that's available to you. Thanks, Brian Tone, for being on today. And thanks, for Chris Shields, for being with me. And uh, what a great time to just be able to just kind of dig into being a man who's running hard after God. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. Uh, remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. It's Jesus. Come on, man. Stay right with me, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> you just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men. <laughs>